Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. You probably have a lot of curiosity about your family history, but not a lot of time. And that's why I created this podcast. In each episode, I'm going to give you the tools that you need to uncover your family tree in quick and easy ways. In today's episode, we are going to continue setting up your own family history blog step by step. Now, in episode number 40, you decided what the purpose of your blog is and got started with the free blogger website and picked out your blog name and set up the web address for it and got the basic framework started. Well, in today's episode, we will finish up this family history blogging lesson with adding a few more gadgets and details to the layout of your blog, doing a bit of pre-planning for your blog posts and publishing your first article, and then talking about how your readers will be able to subscribe to your blog. Okay, well, let's head back to the new blog that we created in episode number 40. Now, I named my blog, Blog Your Family History, and my website address is blogyourfamilyhistory.blogspot.com. Now, so far, I have the basic layout set up, and I added the vintage photograph of the three ladies sharing some written correspondence. Now, if you're not signed into your Google account right now, you'll notice that there's a link in the upper right-hand corner of your blog page that says Sign In. You'll need to click that and enter your username and password to get access to your blog dashboard. That's the area where you're going to be able to customize your blog and write your blog posts. When you sign in, you'll be taken to the dashboard area for your blog. Now, in my case, I have a couple of blogs, so they'll all be listed here in the dashboard. And to get back to your blog, just click the View Blog link for the blog that you want to view. You'll notice that when you get there, the link in the upper right-hand corner now says Sign Out. And that is how you know that you are signed in. So to get back to the dashboard where we can continue customizing the blog, just click the Customize link in the upper right-hand corner of the blog. And so far, we have a couple of gadgets or sections of our blog. There's the title area at the top, uh, the blog posts box. And in the case of the blog that I'm creating here, the gadgets run along the right-hand side of the blog page. I have about me, uh, the gadget with the photo that I added, a follower's gadget showing other blogger readers, Uh, the blog archives gadget. This is where readers can access blog posts that are over a month old. And with this blog template I selected, I also have the option to add a blog gadget at the bottom of my blog page. So let's practice adding gadgets. We're going to add another gadget, and we'll do that by clicking the add gadget link in the top gadget box. And a window is going to pop up showing us our options. Now, I'd like to add a search box so that my readers can easily find articles with keywords they're interested in. So when we click the Add Gadget link, the list of various gadgets that we can use pops up, and we're just going to click the plus sign next to the Search Gadget, and a Configure Search Box window is going to pop up so I can fine-tune this gadget the way that I want it. So I'll keep the title as Search This Blog, since that's pretty straightforward. 
And I'm going to have it just search this blog, uh, not other blogs that I have. So I'm going to keep that checkbox checked. And just click the Save button. And now I have a search box on my blog. Pretty cool. So as you can see, adding various gadgets to your blog is easy, and you can customize them to appear the way that you want. And remember, you can rearrange them on your dashboard by just clicking and dragging them into the position that you want them. Now, once you have the elements of your blog the way you like it, at least for now, and you can certainly make changes anytime you want, then it's time to start blogging. So hopefully you've decided what you want to blog about perhaps a specific line of your family, or maybe you're just going to sort of journal what you work on each day. No matter what tact that you take, there are a few things just to keep in mind. First, each time you write an, an article and publish it to your blog page, it's called a post. Post is sort of an interchangeable term with article, and posting is another word for publishing. Basically, you've made the article available on the web. So when you do post an article, you will want people, particularly other researchers, to be able to find it. And you'll have better success attracting readers who are researching the same families if you sort of put yourself in their shoes. Ask yourself, what are they going to be searching on? When someone goes to Google and starts looking for blogs about their family trees, they are going to use keywords to do that search. So while you may have some very creative ideas for blog post titles, if you don't include some of those important keywords, or at a minimum, um, the surnames, they may never find you. And of course, sprinkling keywords into your post will also increase its chances of being found. And when we talk about keywords, we're also talking about key phrases, such as family history or family tree. Other good keywords are genealogy, birth, death, research, location names, location names, you get the idea. Just the kinds of things that you would search on if you were looking for people writing about your ancestors. Remember, too, that an ancestor's name is also a keyword phrase. It's a good idea to mix it up because you never know how someone else is going to be searching on the name of your ancestor. For example, I researched my husband's great-great-grandfather, Senator C.J. Larson of Winthrop, Minnesota. So if I'm writing about him, I will use several variations of his name. C.J. Larson, Carl Johann Larson, Charles Larson, Charles J. Larson, Senator C.J. Larson. You get the idea. <laughs> and of course, having these variations on the name in combination with the location, Winthrop, Sibley County, Minnesota, I am bound to be found by someone else researching him and his family. Okay, well, let's get right to how to publish your first blog post and incorporate some of these ideas. Now, at your blog dashboard, and if you're not there, just click the link in the upper right-hand corner that says Dashboard, and click New Post. This is just like getting a new piece of paper. Your new post is under the Posting tab, and there's a box where you can write your text, and there are some formatting buttons along the top there of the box. Now, my advice is to bite off small chunks. People tend to read something that looks more like a magazine rather than a novel. <laughs> and it's much easier to focus in on one topic at a time. So 
you may want to make your first post just a welcome message and explain to your readers what they're going to be seeing in the future on your blog. I know you don't have any readers yet, but since all of your blog posts are archived, this post that you're writing is actually going to be read tomorrow and two years from now. New readers can find you at any time, and they may very likely be going back and looking at your first blog post, so this welcome message will be great. The first thing to do is to write your post title. Now, I used to wait to title my posts until after I wrote the text, because oftentimes writing the text would bring to mind the perfect title. But the problem with that is that so often I would forget to go back and type a title in and would end up publishing the post without the title. So while you can go back and add the title later, it might not show up in your reader's RSS feeds, including those who subscribe to your blog by email. They're going to get it without the title. So I find that it works best if I give it the best working title that I can come up with to start, and then I write the post, and then I go back and I change the title if I want to fine-tune it. But if I forget to do that, it will still at least have a basic title. Also, remember that your readers probably have a lot of blogs that they read, but they probably don't actually read them all. They probably just scan through the titles of all the different blogs and they click through to read the ones that sound interesting to them. So your title has an important job to do. Like the blog text, it could contain keywords that will help the post show up in search results and it needs to catch your reader's attention. When I first started blogging, I was always trying to come up with a title that as clearly as possible explained what the post was about. But over time, I realized that we don't have to explain it all in the title. In fact, being a bit mysterious or intriguing with the title can entice the reader to click through and read. They'll find out soon enough all the details of your posting, but your title kind of sets the tone and catches their curiosity and hopefully has a couple of keywords that catches them in the search engines. Now, of course, I don't advocate bait and switch. You don't want to put stuff in the title that really isn't going to be in, in the article, but have fun with your titles and really use the title to your best advantage. And now, finally, it's time to actually write your blog post. Now, of course, you could unleash your creativity here, but I do have a few suggestions for you. Number one, keep your paragraphs shorter rather than longer. Uh, As I mentioned, people have a lot easier time kind of reading through what looks more like a magazine than a long article or novel. It just makes the blog post easier and quicker to read. Number two, incorporate those keywords and phrases. Can't stress that enough. And number three, a picture says a thousand words. So whenever possible, add images. And I'll explain how to do that in just a second. Number four, write in your natural voice. Typically, blogs aren't formal, and you will have an easier time writing if you write more like you talk. And of course, that's just going to come across more genuine to your readers. And number five, don't bite off more than you can chew. (laughs) If you have a lot to say on a particular topic, consider publishing your thoughts in a series of blog posts rather than one really long blog post. And I find that readers actually really enjoy following um, a series of blog posts. So once you've got your first post written up, it's time to do a bit of formatting. 
Now, in Blogger, there are a few different fonts that you can choose from. Just like in Microsoft Word, you highlight the text that you want to format and then select from the drop-down menu which font and font size that you want. Um, the default font and size might be just fine, but it's nice to know that you have some flexibility with that. You can also bold and italicize text by highlighting the text and clicking either button. And like Word, you can also use Control-B on your computer keyboard for bold and Control-I for italicize. You can also put the text in a different color. Again, just highlight the text that to be changed and click on the capital T button with the color boxes and just pick the color that you want to use. Now, that being said, a word about formatting. Remember when we discussed that it was a good idea to avoid blog template designs that had dark backgrounds with light type because they're really hard on the eyes and they're difficult to read? Well, overdoing text formatting is a lot the same. It can really be hard on the eyes. It's it's like the rule of thumb that says you don't type in capital letters because it looks like you're screaming at your readers. <laughs> well, overdoing the formatting with a ton of bold and italics and colors just ends up looking chaotic and nothing really ends up standing out. So keep that in mind that less is more and use your formatting sparingly so that really only the most important things just pop out to the reader. And just like in Word, you can select whether your text is left, right, or center justified, or fully justified. And you can create numbered and bulleted lists simply by highlighting the text and clicking one of those buttons. And you can also use the block quote feature to set text apart as a quotation by indenting it from both sides. With all of these formatting features, you're probably going to want to see what it will look like to your readers as you're working on it. And that will be different to a certain extent than how it looks here in the post editor. So to see what it looks like uh, when it's posted, just click the preview link in the upper right hand corner of the text box. When you're in preview mode, that link's then going to say hide preview. And to go back to editing or what they call compose mode, just click that hide preview link and you'll be back in compose. Next is the spell check button, which is something that you'll want to use every time that you post. Thankfully, if you make a spelling error, you can fix it after it's posted, but it is so much easier to run the spell check before you do. And there are a couple of things that you might want to add to this post to kind of spice it up. The next button is the add image button, and it does just that. It adds your images and photos to your blog post. When you click the button, an Upload Images window pops up where you can browse your computer hard drive and locate the image that you want to add. Or if you have a website, you can type in the URL address for an image that you already have posted on your website, and it will use that image. Keep in mind that Blogger has an 8 megabyte image size limit, so you might have to reduce some of your photos and save them as a smaller file to be uploaded to Blogger. This is often the case when you've scanned old family photographs at really high resolutions because that creates quite large files and you're going to need to downsize those a little bit to include them on your blog. So once you've told Blogger which image to use, you can also choose how you want it to appear on the page, whether it's on the left, in the center, or on the right with the text around it, or you can just leave it as no, as no formatting. 
And you can also choose whether it is a small, medium, or large image. And when you're ready to go, just click the orange upload image button and in a few moments it will be processed and you can just click the done button. And the window is going to close and your image will now be in your blog post. Again, if you want to see how it looks, how it's going to look to your readers, just click that preview link. And you can even upload a video to your blog post. And it works much the same way as the photos. Just click the video upload button. A window pops up and you click the browse button to locate the video that's on your hard drive. Blogger will accept AVI, MPEG, QuickTime, real-time, and Windows Media video files up to 100 megabytes in size, which is typically about 10 minutes or so at most. They also have rules about the kinds of videos that you can upload and require you to click the checkbox to agree to their terms of service, and then you just click the orange upload video button. Now videos take a few minutes to upload. So at first you're going to see the blogger uploading video screen on the video player. Um, That just means that it's processing. You'll also see down at the bottom it'll say that it's processing. Once your video appears on the screen, then it's all done and you're ready to go. But if you don't want to wait for it to finish processing, you can click the Save button on your post and just check back later um, to make sure that it's complete before you click Publish. And finally, if you decide that you want to remove the formatting from your text, you can do that with the last button, which sort of looks like an eraser. It's called Remove Formatting from Selection. So in the case of the text that I set apart as a quote, If I want to change that back to regular text, I just highlight that quotation text with my mouse and click the eraser button and it's going to go right back to normal. If you happen to know HTML, then you can click the HTML tab and work with your blog post code to further customize your blog post. When you're done, just click the compose tab to go back to the regular editing mode. So once you have everything formatted, you've spell-checked it, and you've reconfirmed your title, you are ready to send it out to the world. So just click the orange Publish Now button, and it will immediately be live on your blog. The next window will say, Your Blog Post Published Successfully. And you can just click the View Blog link to open a new window, and you can see your published post. You know, I love bringing these genealogical gems to you that help boost your research and build a strong family tree. And it's important to me to always have free podcasts available so that everyone can participate. If you enjoy these free shows and you would like to help me cover the costs of bringing them to you each week, there's a really easy way to do that that won't cost you a thing. By coming to my website at genealogygems.tv whenever you need to do some shopping online and accessing your favorite stores and websites through the links that you find on my site, you financially support the show. The price you pay is exactly the same, but Genealogy Gems receives a small percentage for referring you. It's just that simple. Amazon is one of my all-time favorite places to shop online. They have just about everything and at incredibly competitive prices. So next time you're looking for books, DVDs, software, electronics, apparel, pretty much anything at all, head to genealogygems.tv and click the Amazon ad that you find on the homepage or throughout the website. And these free podcasts will benefit by any shopping that you do. And you will get the same super low prices. Everybody wins. 
So if you enjoyed the Genealogy Gems podcast and the Family History Genealogy Made Easy podcast, let your mouse do the shopping through the ads and links on the Genealogy Gems website, and together we'll keep new episodes coming for a long time to come. Now, if you're like me, then occasionally you're going to want to go back and edit one of your blog postings. And thankfully, that is very easy to do in Blogger. So just head back to your Blogger dashboard and next to the blue new post button, which you would click to create another post, you're going to also find the edit posts link. So just click that and you will see the articles that you've posted with the most recent one at the top. If you wanted to delete the post altogether, you just go to the right-hand side and click the delete link for that particular post. To edit the post, you click the edit link on the far left-hand side of that post title. And this takes you right back into compose mode and you can make any changes that you want. And then when you're done, just click the publish button. Now, let's create a new post by clicking the create a new post link And let's say that after you get everything in there, you decide you want to publish this tomorrow rather than today. Now, there's a really easy way to do that, to set up your post to publish in the future. At the bottom of the text box, you'll see a link called Post Options, and just click that. Now, this will expand the box and give you some options. Here, you can enter the date and the time that you want the post to go live online. And once you've typed that in, then just click the Publish button. Now, it won't go live right now, but it will be published at the date and time that you specified. Now, when I first started using this feature, I kept clicking the Save button and then wondering why my post didn't publish at the right time. But you have to click the Publish button, even though you're not technically publishing at that very moment. But it's a really neat feature, and it works great when you're going to be going away and you still want your articles to be published every day. Or like when we talked about breaking up a really long article into a series of short articles, then you could create them all now and then just set them up to publish one day at a time or whatever time frame that you want, and your readers will follow along with you. Now, you probably noticed that you could also check a box in the post options for allowing your readers to post comments, but the best place to set that up is under the settings tab. So let's do that. So go to your dashboard and click settings. And this will take you to the settings tab, which offers a lot of options. Click on the comments menu link, and here's where you're going to make your selections as to how you would like your readers to be able to interact with you and your blog. Instant communication and connection with your readers is one of the really unique aspects of blogging. And you'll find that most folks who read genealogy blogs are interested in a civil conversation. So you don't have to worry too much about people um, writing outrageous things on your blog, but you can control that. So let's go through the options here. First of all, there's the show area. Now, I usually have this set just to show comments but you can hide them if you want. But when you show comments, it really encourages comments. Under who can comment, I would recommend that you allow anyone to comment. After all, you don't want to prevent that long lost cousin who finds your family history blog in a search not to be able to contact you. So leave that as allow anyone. And for comment form placement, That's just a personal preference, but I find that a pop-up window is really easy for readers to use. 
And of course, the next really important feature here is the comment moderation. I would recommend that you always moderate your comments, at least when you first get started. This means that when a reader leaves a comment, you will have the opportunity to read it and approve it to be published in the comment section of that blog posting. That way, you can eliminate offensive comments if by chance they happened. But honestly, I have never received anything objectionable in my comments. But occasionally, I do get people who are fishing for business and they simply post, I like your blog, so that they can then tell you about their company and give their website address. (laughs) So there's no harm in setting it to always approve. And then you can always change it later if you want to. Then at the bottom of the comment setting, I like to type in my email address so that I'll be notified by email if someone leaves a comment that needs to be moderated. And you moderate and approve comments in your blogger dashboard. But this way, you won't have to keep checking back. It'll just notify you when there's something there to take care of. So when you're done, just click the orange Save Settings button. And again, you can change these settings anytime that you want to. So how do you moderate reader comments? Well, just click on the posting tab and there'll be three options. There's new post, edit posts, and the third item is moderate comments. Just click that link. And if you have comments that need to be reviewed and approved or deleted, you can do it right there. And finally, let's talk about how your readers can subscribe to your blog. That's the other really cool thing about blogging. Each of your new blog articles can automatically be sent to your readers who subscribe to your blog. It's just like subscribing to a magazine. We subscribe to a magazine so that we don't have to go to the store every day to check and see if there's a new issue. Well, subscribing to a blog is the same idea, but of course it's free. And like magazines being delivered to your mailbox, blog posts can be delivered to your reader's blog reader or email box automatically. Your readers subscribe to your blog through your RSS feed. Now, RSS stands for Really Simple Syndication, which just means an easy way to send out your posts. But you don't have to know anything about RSS feeds to do this. Blogger does all of it for you. But you know, I'm really surprised how many bloggers, even longtime experienced bloggers, don't bother to make it easy for their readers to subscribe to their blog. Because not everyone who wants to subscribe to your blog and and follow it is really going to quite know how to do it or be an experienced blog subscriber. So you will want to make it as easy as possible for them to get started following your blog. And here's a really easy way for you to set that up. Go to this website, google.com slash webmasters slash add dot html and i'll have that direct link for you in the show notes here you can add an add to google button to your blog that way your readers can easily add your blog to their iGoogle homepage or to google reader which is a tool that they can use to receive and read blogs so for choose your content type select rss that's the delivery system Under promoting, select just one, because we're just going to do one blog. Select the style of button that you want to put on your blog, the large one or the small one, and type your blog address into the box, but it needs to be your RSS feed for your blog. Um, In the case of my blog, it would be blogyourfamilyhistory.blogspot.com slash 
feeds slash posts slash default question mark ALT equals RSS. That's the RSS feed. And I'll have that example in my show notes. But essentially, you're going to be using that entire address, but you're just going to substitute your blogger URL address. So where mine says blog your family history, blogspot.com, you're going to have whatever the name of your blog is, blogspot.com slash feed slash post slash default question mark alt equals RSS. <laughs> okay, so that's the address that they use to get the subscription. So we need to tell the Google button that that is the address we are pulling from. And then just click the generate HTML button. The HTML code, and you don't have to know the code to use this, but we're just going to copy and paste it. That HTML code is what you're going to need to add your button so that it will automatically appear in the box. The HTML code that you need to add your button is going to automatically appear in the box here on the page, and it's already highlighted for you. So all you need to do is press Control-C on your keyboard to copy that code to your computer's clipboard. And then head back to your blog dashboard and click Layout, uh, click Add a Gadget, because we need to add a gadget to put this little button in, and click the HTML slash Java Gadget. That's a gadget that just allows you to add HTML code, and it will put in there whatever it is your code is for. And a window is going to pop up where you can type in a title such as subscribe to this blog. And then just click inside the big box to get your cursor in there. Press Control-V to paste the HTML code that you copied into that box. That's all you have to do. And then click the Save button. And then back on your layout page, you'll see at the top that the page element has been added. And that just means that your new gadget is there. It now appears on the top, and the gadget says subscribe to this blog. So that sounds a little bit complicated, but it's really just cutting and pasting and adding a new gadget, which I know you know how to do. So you want to see what this looks like? Just click the blue preview button at the top of your blog and it's going to open up a new window and there you will see the add to Google button. Now everyone can subscribe and follow your blog really quickly and easily. I hope those of you who already are blogging add one of these to your blog page because um, it makes it very easy and flexible for people to be able to follow your blog. So just close that window and click the the orange save button on your layout page and you are all set. Now, click the view blog and let's try it out for yourself. When you click the add to Google button, you get the option to add a Google gadget to your iGoogle page that's that will feature your blog or you can add the blog to your Google Reader. Now, personally, I'm an iGoogle user iGoogle is a very powerful tool, and if you're not already using it, you are really missing out. (laughs) With iGoogle, you can literally turn the Google.com page into your own personal genealogy dashboard. Now, the folks at Google probably didn't design it for that, (laughs) but with a little know-how, you can really improve the effectiveness of your family history research with iGoogle. If you'd like to learn how, I've created an 11-part series that walks you through the process of how to set that all up step by step. You will be amazed at what you're going to be able to do. 
You don't have to wait until you can attend one of my classes in person to learn how to do this. Um, if you subscribe to the Genealogy Gems Premium Membership, uh, the annual membership, you'll get all of the videos plus additional videos on hard drive organization as well as two new members-only podcast episodes every month. And I'm actually going to be launching a brand new video series on Google Earth for genealogists. So if you've been thinking about becoming a member, this is a great time to do it because you will have all 11 videos on how to set up iGoogle and get going with that as your personal genealogy dashboard. So whether you add the blog to iGoogle, which is terrific, or Google Reader, you will receive each new blog post when it's published, and you'll have a link to click through directly to the articles and the blog. It's really convenient and it keeps your blog on the minds and the lists of your readers. Now you're all set to go. You can post your articles, which your readers can follow. As you have more time, you can fine tune the settings and layouts of your blog. Most of all, have fun. And my best wishes to you for connecting with other researchers with your new family history blog. Well, we've made a lot of progress on your blog in a very short amount of time. Uh, take some time this week to take these further steps that we took in this episode. We added more gadgets to the layout of your blog. We posted your first blog article, including adding photos and videos. We edited your posts and, e and even got them set up to be published in the future. Um, we set up the comments and learned how to moderate the comments that we receive. And of course, now anybody out there can subscribe to your new family history blog with the little add to Google button. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.